Hey, Life Center, I'm so glad that you're with us today because we have a special guest with us, my good friend, Pastor Kevin Gear. Pastor Kevin leads a church called Canvas Church in Kalispell, Montana, which actually has multiple locations throughout the state of Montana. You know, years ago I met Kevin when I was in college. I've been inspired by his leadership. And now what also inspires me is not just what he's doing with his church, but what he's doing with his bear training farm in Montana. That's right, he's actually working with bears, training them to be ready for movie scenes. And he is doing an incredible work, not only with people moving the gospel forward, but preparing bears to star in movies. Listen, no doubt today, you're gonna to be encouraged, you're gonna be challenged, you're gonna be inspired. I'm so thankful to have my friend, Pastor Kevin Gear with us. Life Center, would you put your hands together and welcome him to the stage today. Thank you, thank you. I, I'm just here to tell you, your pastor is a liar. I, um, that's what happens. You get those videos made when all you can grow is a mustache and you can't do the beard, okay? I'm just teasing. I'm just having fun. Hey, uh, it is great to be here. Uh, um, last time I was here um, was, man, 15, 17 years ago, and um, we did a kids' conference here at Tacoma Life Center, um, and we, we called it Nitro, and we had a 30-foot submarine on the stage. It had a working periscope that had a camera in it, and it had a, a, a propeller, and we had this place full of kids, and I was working with your children's pastor, Nick Kalen. Don't you guys have a great children's pastor? Oh, come on. Nick and Stacy, been friends with them for a long time, and then, um, and I love your pastor, uh, Tyler and his wife Amber, and I want to say thank you for the opportunity uh, to communicate. Uh, let me tell you, the, the most nervous person in the room is your pastor right now, because whenever you give the, the platform away to an outside speaker, um, you, you just are sitting whole time going, don't screw it up, okay? I love these people. You better be careful. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So you're stuck with me. But I, I have a, a word here for you um, that I, I believe that uh, God wants to um, uh, speak to your heart. Um, you know, I, coming from Kalispell, Montana, it's always interesting when people hear that you're from Montana um, because they think that we speak a different language there. So they're like, oh, you're from Montana. And they'll slow down so I can understand them better. Always appreciate that. Now, English was not my first language. Um, I, crying was my first language, and I was very fluent in that. I got whatever I wanted. Um, but um, and now, now I speak English, and by the end of this message, you will realize it's my second language um, because I promise. In fact, what a lot of people in my church do when I'm speaking is they tally how many words I make up while I'm preaching. And um, so if you get bored with my message, just feel free to play that game, okay? We're glad it's not a drinking game because the whole church would be drunk. But um, just so... <laughs> We don't want to do that. Did I screw up the opportunity already? You want me to come sit down? Okay. Um, yeah, I want to talk about something in the Bible that is there. And, um, and in fact, it's interweaved all the way throughout Scripture. So we're not going to go verse by verse by verse today. My preferred style of preaching. But the, 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 the message that's in my heart, the message that I think the Lord wants you to hear today, um, really is a, a message that is... Um, intertwined, interwoven um, from Genesis to Revelation, th this concept that 
I'm going to bring up. But before I jump into it, I want to pray for us. And here's how I want to pray, just to get us ready and prepare our hearts. Is I'm going to pray that the Lord would open up your ears so that you would hear what the Spirit is saying to you. Um, that you would give the Lord your heart, that you would allow the Holy Spirit to work within your heart. And then I really want us to do this third part that I'm going to pray over us, and that is that the Lord would touch our feet. That, that what you hear today is a recalibrating moment in your life that you will live differently. Because let's not waste the time that we are together here today. Let's allow the Word of God to change the way we're going to live today and tomorrow and on the way out. So let's pray. Father, I pray in this moment right here that you would give us ears. Pray this over your own life. If you're here or if you're watching online, Father, would you give us ears to hear what you would say to us? Not what I would say, but what your spirit would speak to us. Father, give us a heart that is moldable by your spirit, that you would shape it and and, and lead it and train it the way that you want it to be. Christ-like, I pray. And then, Father, touch our feet that we're not just hearers of the word, we're doers of the word, that what we hear, we will apply to our life and we will live out, I pray, in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. You know, the the question that I want to start with this message is um, a statement that God made. It's in early Genesis. God created the whole earth. He had called it good, um, very good. When he created Adam, he said it was very good, the apex of his creation. And then in Genesis chapter 2, we find this verse where God calls something not good. And it's interesting that God calls it not good because he says not good before the fall of man. So what would God call not good before man sinned? What would be not good in creation that that God had established, that God had created, that he saw in Adam that wasn't good? And that's the text I want to launch in as we um, weave our way through Scripture to understand this concept that I think Um, affects us to this day. Genesis 2.18 says this, then the Lord God said, here it is, it is not good for man to be alone. Interesting. It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. What God is seeing in Adam is that Adam was lonely. Adam was alone. And God saw that loneliness wasn't good. Let me define loneliness for you. Loneliness is a sadness that we experience um, because one has no friends or company. That's what loneliness. It's a sadness. It's an emotion that we feel because we have no friends or we have no company. And God saw that in Adam. And he said, it's not good. I want to talk today about loneliness. There's a study that was done in in 2019, this is pre-COVID, and it was talking about what is the largest influence on the rising healthcare in America. What was affecting people's mental health and physical health the most? And the study landed on one thing, and here was the term, loneliness. That the pandemic before the pandemic was loneliness. And the pandemic has only increased loneliness. That America is a lonely, lonely country. Even though we're all connected through social media, we're more alone than we've ever been before. And we don't want to talk about loneliness. Loneliness is sort of an awkward topic to talk about. So you bring in an awkward communicator to talk about awkward topics. And so here I am to talk about loneliness. But God saw it. God saw that Adam was lonely, and he decided he wanted to fix it. And so what did he do? Well, 
he made Eve. And, and when Adam saw Eve, this just speaks to how alone Adam was. When he saw Eve in the garden, fully naked, this is what he said. He said, at last! Now you gotta, don't be a boring Bible reader, okay? I, I refer to that as a BBR. Don't be a, don't be a boring Bible reader. You know, here he is, a man looking at a woman, and he doesn't go, at last. No. No, 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 no. This is how I think the Bible played it out. I think he went like this. At last! I think that's what went down there. Okay? I, I think so. You can read it in the Hebrew. At last, the man exclaimed. This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. Here's what he said. I am no longer alone. I want to... I want to give you a, 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 a key concept. This is going to be the foundation by which I'm going to build my message on. And then I'm going to give you five truths to fight loneliness. So that's where we're going. But you got to get this foundation first or you're not going to feel the importance of the five truths. And that is this. Too often in Christendom or American Christianity, we have painted a relationship with God is all that we need. That if I'm with Jesus, then I'm good. That is not a biblical model of relationship. In fact, when you look at scriptures, you will find that in the Bible, your relationship with God and your relationship with others is key and they cannot be separated. You can't have a relationship with God and not care about others. You can't have a relationship with others and, not, and have a relationship with God. It doesn't work that way. You have to have both and. There, there, there's never an either or. It's always a both and. I'll give you just a quick Bible uh, uh, foundation behind it. And that is this. If you do not forgive others, God will not forgive you. That's what it says. If you come unto the Father, go before you come to the Father and fix whatever broken relationships you have before you come back. This relationship is one relationship. It coexists all the time together. We want to compartmentalize it. Like, I can love you and hate you. doesn't work. Because to hate another is to hate God. And to hate God is to hate another. It's one relationship. So you got to get that. That's an important theological concept to have in our understanding. And then out of that, we can understand this concept of loneliness. Because at last, I am no longer alone, Adam shouts. A need was melt, uh, met. <laughs> it melted his heart when he saw her. A need was met when God created Eve. How many men in the house are thankful that God created woman? Raise your hand. Okay, I'm not going to ask it the other way around. Okay. <laughs> it's interesting that loneliness is not a demographic moment that we feel. It doesn't come with just young people feel loneliness. Or middle-aged people just deal with loneliness. I have found that, that loneliness affects every one of us at almost every stage of our life. In middle school, you're just trying to figure out what it is to have friends that won't gossip about you. When you're 100, you're still trying to figure that out. <laughs> you know, that, 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 that loneliness comes when maybe you're, you're just getting ready to send off your kindergarten to school for the first time. And they leave the house and you're alone. And that feels different. And then you realize my only friend was that little kindergartner walking away. Okay. Or maybe it's at the stage where, where you're an empty nester. Or, or even before an empty nester, it's when your teenagers are all wanting to hang out with their friends now and they don't want to hang out with you. 
or in an empty nester when they leave the house and you're all alone and then you look at the person that you've been living with and go, who are you? You know, and you got to rebuild that relationship. I think seniors struggle with loneliness maybe more than anybody because they start attending more funerals than they do weddings. And they're saying goodbye to their friends all the time. Do you know that you can be lonely and be married? And sometimes you can resolve your whole life around the person that you're married to, but you have no friends outside of that, and you become lonely together, for you are one flesh. Interesting how loneliness finds its way in all the time to our lives. But let loneliness be a call to action in our life, because it will destroy our health. I had a a nephew, he's also one of our pastors at Campus Church, pastors our Billings Campus, and um, he got sick, he had cancer. It was the second time that he got cancer during the pandemic, and um, cancer wanted to kill him, wanted to take his life away from him. He was in Seattle at the cancer hospital, um, isolated during the COVID season, and and wasn't able to have family or friends come in and and visit him, and and his health just went down, 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 down. They're getting ready to do a bone marrow transplant in him, and, and it was significant. And the doctor looked at him, and here's what he says. He's dying from loneliness more from cancer than from cancer. So he sent him home. He sent him to his in-laws who live in Seattle. Think about that. He sent them to his in-laws. I would have died. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. Give me another cancer. Okay. They're never going to hear this message. I'm okay. Just joking, I love them, close to the heart. Going on vacation for three, three, uh, with a week with them in a week and then have a week of counseling. It's going to be wonderful. Um, so they, my, my nephew went to, my, my nephew went to the, his in-law's house and within a week you could see life start coming back to his face. He said, I was lonely for people who loved me. So what we're talking about today is real. And maybe you're sitting here and you can already identify, oh, man, this is going to hit me today. Can I tell you, there's hope. There's hope. How do we do it? I want to give you five truths. Very simple message. Five truths of statements that you can build on that will help you not be alone, for it is not good for man to be alone. Here's the first one. And the first one is this. I need people. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home. I want you to look in the mirror. I want you to say that to yourself. Because it's the first truth you have to understand that you don't maybe want to admit. I need people. Maybe you want to fix your hair and put your makeup on or maybe put your teeth in before you say it. And then look at yourself and say, I need people. It's true. We have to realize that. Ecclesiastes um, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 talk about that. It says this. Two people are better than what? Than one. Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, then the other can reach out and help them up. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. It is not good for a man to be alone. Um, I, I, I graduated high school in Shelton, Washington, I'm just across the, the water from you, uh, pastored in the Seattle area for a long time. And one of the hobbies that I picked up when I was living in the Seattle area was I became a scuba diver. I loved to scuba dive in the Puget Sound. Do you know, Tacoma, that you guys have the largest octopus in the world in the Puget Sound right here? 
Now, they live underneath the, the, the Comaneros Bridge. I've never f- done the drift dive through there, but I hear they're like the size of VW Bugs. Well, that's like awesome. I always went scuba diving up in Edmonds. They have an underwater park there. Anybody ever scuba dive there? Um, it's phenomenal. They've sunk in several ships there that you can go scuba dive down. And I would wear a wetsuit, which is like the six millimeters of, of rubber that you put on to, 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 keep, you, to keep you warm and, and, and it keeps you buoyant. So you have to put weights on and then I'd go underwater and, and I would, I would uh, scuba dive and, and see the lean cod under there. It was awesome. And Well, one of the things, when, when you're shaped like me, well, one of the things that happens when you use exercise as fun um, is you cramp. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I was under the water and I was scuba diving and I got a cramp in my, in my leg. Um, when you cramp in, in your leg, and I'm not talking like a gentle in the middle of the night cramp. I'm, I'm talking like a cramp like you're giving birth cramp, you know. They, they, they say it's cramping and then childbirth from what I hear. And, um, and, and I would know that I, my, I've had five biological children. My, my wife has, but I was her number one support. Okay, and um, so I, I saw the pain. It's not that hard. And so... Um, and, I was cramping. Let's go back to the topic, okay? (laughs) When you're 30 feet underwater cramping, she didn't give birth 30 feet underwater. I was 30 (laughs) feet underwater, and I was cramping, and, 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 and it hurt. So I had to fill up my suit with air, and I shot straight to the top. I didn't have to worry about bends. I wasn't that deep, and, and I was up there. You ever seen a man shaped like me in a six millimeter rubber suit trying to grab his flipper to pull out a cramp? People were well watching. (laughs) I'm cramping. I'm trying to grab that flipper to help, and I can't. But you know what? Here's the number one rule of scuba diving, and that is this. You never scuba dive alone. My buddy saw me shoot up, and he goes, here we go again. And he filled up his, and he went up to, to the top where I was floating there trying to grab my flipper. And in the process, true story of grabbing my flipper, my other calf began to cramp. Now I'm double cramping. It's like giving birth to twins. And I'm like trying to, trying to grab my flippers. And I tell you, he came up and he grabbed those flippers and he started pulling and rubbing my, I have never felt more comfortable with a man rubbing my leg than I did when I was cramping. Why do I tell you that story? Because it's not good for man to be what? I need people. You need people. Now, maybe you're sitting here going, well, Kevin, you're just a little weak in that area. I honestly have learned in life I don't need people. Maybe that's the self-talk that's going through your mind as you're watching this. Let me tell you, isolation is the devil's trap to get you right where you want to be. And isolation is a vicious cycle that leads to anxiety and depression within your life. Because what happens is you feel alone, but then you feel bad for feeling alone, so you don't go do anything about it, which only leads to more anxiety within your life. And then you feel bad that you feel bad about feeling bad. So instead of going out, you're just gonna stay home a little bit longer. And then you feel bad that you didn't go do anything because you're streaming on social media about what everybody else was doing without you, and that's FOMO. So now you really feel bad about feeling bad about being feeling bad about feeling bad, so you just, I'm just gonna stay home and think about it. And you've isolated yourself from everybody where it's just a vicious cycle of isolation. And hear me on this, that entire process that I just described is called Pride. That's pride. That's what pride leads you to. Because see, the wolf 
The enemy always goes after, and being from Montana, I understand wolves. They always go after the one that is isolated. The one that is outside of the herd. And even a wolf never hunts alone. They hunt in a what? In a pack. It's not good for men to be alone. Bob Goff said it this way, great author. He wrote this, the hidden cost of pride is isolation. Pride stops us from admitting I need people. To say we need people admits that we can't do it on our own. In fact, here's what, here's when I say I need people, here's what I'm communicating, that it makes me vulnerable, it makes me transparent, and it makes me dependent. And those three things are the antidote to pride. To be vulnerable, to be transparent, and to be dependent. Some of us need to go home and look in the mirror today and admit a truth over our life that we need to admit no matter what our minds might be telling us, and that is simply this. I need people. Leads me to the second truth that we fight loneliness with, and and that is this one. I will be an amazing friend. I will be an amazing friend. Luke chapter 6, verse 31 gives us the best advice on how to get along with other people. And here's what it says. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. It is the greatest relationship advice you will ever find. It is the greatest marriage advice you will ever find. It is the greatest friendship advice you will ever find. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. One reason, now I want, I'm, before I say this next point, because you're going to have to practice um, the art of forgiving me here in a second. Well, maybe you already have to do because I was making fun of my wife. Um, so hurry up and get over that so we can move on. Um, okay, we're done. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, here, here's the next piece of it. And this one's, this one, this one I'm going to punch you in the heart hard. Okay? Some of you are going to be offended when I share this with you. But I'm, I, I'm sharing it with you um, because it's important that you realize this. One of the reasons why many of you will feel loneliness is just because you're really hard to be friends with. And you drive everybody away. Because all you do is talk, 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 talk about all the bad things in your life. And you don't want to be that person. In fact, you're reaching out so hard to try to, to be a friend that you're working so hard to be a friend, you're driving everyone away. And maybe no one has loved you enough to say, Stop. Because the truth is, we all know that person. You're probably thinking about that person right now. And you're probably not thinking about yourself. You all know that person that when they call, you don't answer. (laughs) You know that person that's in your Facebook request friendship, but you've never accepted. She's going to let the Holy Spirit do the work. It's true. How do you not be that person? Because you would never think that person is you. Here it is. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. You know what that means? Listen and ask questions. If you are always talking about you, stop talking about you. You will have more friends. That simple life principle will help so many people. Be more excited about what's going on in other people's lives then what's going on in your life, and you will discover people will become interested in what's going on in your life. Do unto others as you will have them do unto you. So be amazing at being a friend. 
See, it's counterintuitive. We work so hard to get friends, and that's not the answer. You have to work hard at being a friend. And if you work hard at being a friend, you will end up with a plethora of friends. Be, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Listen and ask questions. See, the goal is not to have an amazing friend. Don't think that way. The goal is to be an amazing friend. So initiate the friendship. Initiate the friendship. You know, many of us are living life waiting for someone to call us. Many of us are waiting to be invited out for coffee or for dinner. You be the one that initiates it. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Reach out. Be an amazing friend. I, 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 um, when I wasn't scuba diving, uh, when I was scuba diving over here, you go to Montana, you don't really scuba dive. Um, so I, I developed a new habit, or <laughs> a new habit, that's hilarious, a new hobby. Um, drugs are a habit. I did, developed a hobby, and it's uh, jeeping. I love driving Jeeps. You have a Jeep, don't you? You ever taken an off-road? Okay, very good. I thought it might be a pavement princess. Um, I, <laughs> it's the stash. I, I, um, I love to take my Jeeps off-road, and so what I do is I, I take one day a month and go off-roading, trying to go, go get stuck. I, if I'm not using my winch, I'm not driving hard enough. And, um, and, I, and I just invite people to go with me. And when I go out, I put it out on a, a group that I made. I said, hey, do you have a Jeep you want to go? Hey, you have a Jeep you want to go? Hey, you have a Jeep you want to go? You have a Jeep? No. And, um, I, and, I, and, and I, I take these people. And it's been fun. I ran into a guy at a gas station. He came up. He goes, I really like your Jeep. And I go, well, thank you very much. I go, you want to go Jeeping with me someday? He's like, like, for reals? And I'm like, yeah. And his name is Tony. He goes jeeping with us every time. Now, some dude I met at a gas station. And here's what I'll tell you. I got all these dudes going with me jeeping on this Friday. Almost every time we go out, each one of them grabs me separately, like by myself at some point. And they go, Kevin, thank you so much for doing this. I needed this so much more than you know. I'm like, hey, not a problem. So glad that, you know what? It's not good for man to be. So be the kind of friend that you're looking for. Be the kind of friend. Leads me to my third one. I won't take very long on this third one, but this third one will change your life. And that is simply this. I will choose not to be offended. We live in a culture that gives us the right to be offended. We look to be offended. Like if we're not offended, we think something's wrong with us. Ephesians chapter four says this. Get rid of some of that bitterness Get rid of some of that rage. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't. I mean, that's what I wish it said. You ever read the Bible wishing it would say it a certain way? Yeah, it doesn't. Here's what it says. Get rid of all bitterness. I think the emphasis is in the all. Get rid of all rage. Get rid of all anger and harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, and then it gives us instructions on how to be a great friend. Instead, be kind to each other. Be tenderhearted. Forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Here's what Ephesians, Paul is writing. He says, you know the way God treated you? Treat others that way. How many of you 
have ever disappointed God? <laughs> Maybe you don't have to raise your hand. That was rhetorical. Okay, save that raising hand to the very end and then I'll feel good. How many of you have offended God more than once? Twice. Three times. I don't even want to think about how I've offended God while I'm preaching. And his mercies are new every morning. And we are to love our community that way. We are to love one another that way. You know what Pierce County needs? It needs a church that lives out this verse. It needs a church that stops getting offended and starts loving regardless. Regardless if you think like me, regardless if you talk like me, regardless if you look like me, regardless if you vote like me, I'm going to love you. I'm not going to be offended by that. I choose not to be offended. My wife and I made this commitment to each other when we first got married. Uh, as this August, it will be 25 years ago, that when we put our head on our pillows, we have angst toward no one. Toward no one. And it is a wonderful way to sleep. It's probably why we have five biological children. Okay? Um, we, we... Yeah, you're like, pastors, are they allowed to do that? Uh-huh. I'm going to go back to my notes. I did not say that joke at the 8.30 gathering, just so you know. Um, we, there, there's nothing like living unoffended, and we have to choose to live life unoffended because offense will always come. I have an individual who used to attend my church, doesn't attend my church anymore. He hates me, and, and he calls me every day for two and a half years and leaves me vicious voicemails of what he wants to do to me and my family. Now, the police are involved. We have all that. But if he was as faithful to his wife as he is to me, he'd still be married. And he hates me. And I want you to know, while I could feel hurt and offended, here's what we've chosen to do, my family. We want to be better lovers than he is a hater. I have prayed for this individual more than any other individual in my life in the last two and a half years. And I don't pray that, I pray that God softens his heart. I pray that God blesses his ministry, not ministry, but his work. I pray that God blesses him as a father. Because what the enemy is trying to use to steal my joy, the Lord is using to encourage me to pray for him. Okay. Here's why I tell you that. I choose not to be offended. I'm just going to be a better lover than the world is a hater. And I live life with a smile. I live life with a joy. I hug my wife at the end of the day. She hugs me at the beginning of the day and then tells me to go brush my teeth. It's just real life. But it's a wonderful way to live offended. I choose not to be offended. Can, can, I, can I just say this right here? We sang a song earlier today. I will make room for you to do whatever you want to do. Will the Lord want you to drop the offense that you're thinking about right now? Now, Will you put into action the words that you were just singing? I will make room for you to do whatever you want to do in me. And he's whispering to you by the power of the Holy Spirit, let go of that offense. Let go of that offense. And he's doing it for your good. Yeah, but, no buts. Love that person the way I love you. 
get rid of all bitterness, all rage, all slander. Be kinded, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. Then the fourth one, because here's the hard one, and that is this, the risk will be worth it eventually. See, you've been here and you're like, ah, Kevin, I've tried to reach out to people. People, they're just jerks. That might be the most truthful statement I've said in this entire message. Because let's just be real. People are jerks. People are messy. People are screwed up. God is big. And you're like, Kevin, I've reached out before and I've reached out before and here's what I've learned in my life. Living alone, even in a marriage, living alone is safer than reaching out. That's not a true statement. That is the enemy's lie in your mind that you're believing. The risk will be worth it eventually. I tell you, trying, get this, trying to reach out is even better than loneliness. And it takes time. It takes time. Friendships take time. I, I, I had a, I'm not a very good uh, growing stuff, farmer or rancher or gardener or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and in fact, when I lived in Covington, just north of you a little bit, um, we lived there for quite a while. I would mow my weeds every week and um, just to keep, the, keep them down. And there was this one weed that I hated because every time I would go to, to weed whack it, it would eat all the string out of my weed whacker. So I just, I hated that thing. And I would come in frustrated every time I would do it. And Tiffany, my wife Tiffany, she would go, Kevin, I'm just so tired of you complaining about that weed. Why don't you just let it go and let's see how big it gets. You know, like summer of peace for her. And um, so I said, okay. Well, that weed turned into a rhododendron bush. Do you know that's Washington State flower? Not weed, which is a protected flower, is a symbol of relationships. Sometimes we weed whack the relationships too early as they're getting going. And we just need to give them time before they bloom. And then when we bloom, we will realize the hard work of waiting was worth it. Don't kill the relationship too early. Give it time. Give it time. The risk will be worth it eventually. And then lastly, because maybe you're sitting here and you're feeling alone. And you're like, here it is. Jesus knows how I feel and what I'm going through. I love that. Jesus understands this idea of loneliness, sadness because you have no friends or company. Jesus gets it. How do I know that? Isaiah 53.3. And the prophet wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, capturing the heart of Jesus when it says this, he was despised and rejected and we did not care. Matthew 26, 56 says this, all the disciples deserted him, him being Jesus, and fled. And he was what? Alone. Matthew 27, 48, one of the most gut-wrenching verses of scripture in the humanity of Jesus calling out to his father, my God, my God, why have you abandoned or forsaken me? Here's what he said, I am alone. Jesus gets loneliness. 
And he gets it because Jesus was with God in the garden when they said, it is not good for man to be alone. And so I tell you, some stranger from Montana, the loneliest state. Isn't that interesting? There's only a million people in Montana. You have a million people in Pierce County. Claustrophobic. It's not good for man to be alone. And if you will lean into Jesus, that's half your answer. And if you will lean into others, that's your full answer. And may Jesus heal your heart so you can reach out. And may Jesus give you the courage so that you can reach out. Leaning into Jesus is the first half of the answer and leaning into others is the second half of the answer. Both are needed. So I come back as we get ready to close. Lord, I make room for you to do whatever you want to do. And he whispers into your heart, it's not good for man to be alone. Would you stand with me? The five statements. I need people. I will be an amazing friend. I will choose not to be offended. The risk will be worth it eventually. And Jesus knows how I feel and he knows what I'm going through. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Maybe you're here and you need to address that first half of the answer and you don't know Jesus as your savior, as your friend, as your Lord. And maybe you could do that right now. Say, Jesus, I need you. I have everything in life, but I don't have you, so I have nothing. Help me to know you. If that's you, if you're watching online or if you're here, would you just pray that prayer? Jesus, I need you. Now here's the second question. The second question I want you to respond, even if you're at home or you're here, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand. Here's why. Because to kill pride, you need a humble moment. And humility is to be transparent and vulnerable. So I'm just gonna ask you, when I ask this question, if this question is you, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand and then you can put it up for about a second and then put it right back down. That's all I'm asking, but it's the initiation of killing the pride that will lead you to not being alone. If you're here and you would say, Kevin, the Lord is speaking to me about this. You know your situation, but the Lord is speaking to you about this and it's time for you to reach out. Will you just lift your hand and say, that was for me? Yeah, yeah, thank you, yep. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Life Center, you're so real. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let me pray over you. Father, you know our hearts. It's not good for us to be alone. Some of us are alone in a marriage. Some of us are alone in the middle of a family. Some of us are, are, are sitting with all these people here and we still feel alone. But Father, will you give us the courage to be who you want us to be? And whatever is stopping us from being who you want us to be, we give it to you right now. We just give it to him, whatever it is. Maybe it's a hurt, maybe it's an offense, maybe it's just afraid. We give it to you. And Father, would you create an opportunity Father, maybe you're even bringing a name to somebody's mind right now that they need to initiate that call. Give them the courage to make that call, to send that text. And Father, may we, may we declare the words, at last, I am no longer alone, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.